Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining us. In this podcast, we'll be discussing non-pharmacological treatment of depression in youth and children in general practice. I'm Dr. Robin Barnes and I work as a GP in a city centre practice and I'm joined by Dr. Daniel Svoboda. Daniel is a child and adolescent psychiatrist in Canterbury District Health Board, having arrived in New Zealand as a refugee from Eastern Europe as a child. Thank you, Daniel, for giving your time to this discussion today. I know it's an area of great interest and concern for GPs. We're seeing increasing numbers of patients presenting with depressive symptoms and at a younger age than ever before. My first question is, should non-pharmacological treatments be first line in any general practice setting? My answer to this is an easy one. It's a firm yes. And I can say uh, the reasons why is because it's easy to describe, easy to do, because they're effective if implemented and you don't get the complications that could be associated with some of our treatments. Thank you. Are you able to describe some of these treatments that you're suggesting? Yes, I will. In the first instance, I think we need to be clear about the terms. So depression, instead of taking it, I'm explicitly taking it away from the medical model and looking at it in a more functional model. What I mean by this, so rather than depression, I'd more like to replace it with something like depression of mental functioning. So looking at it in a more holistic way, really, because invariably with depression, there's a range, as we know, a cluster of symptoms, and they always include uh, a belief against oneself, like an internalized judgment, and then a range of other areas that are problematic, which I'll go into more detail, sleep, eating, and so forth. These are the nuts and bolts of what I call a mental health plan, uh, which is the foundation to overcome depression in principle. Thank you. Are you able to go into some more details about those specific areas for us? Yes, so I've already mentioned with depression, when I've sat down with someone who has any form of severity, they're generally able to agree with me by the end of the consultation that if I believed about myself what they believe about themselves, I would be depressed too. It's always in some frame of they uh, judge themselves or their lives are somehow very out of kilter with what they expect or they believe that other people are generally against them. So we have that for a start. And I say this, this is always to an excessive extent, an exaggerated extent, so that people will generally be able to agree that they are being unfair to themselves in their judgment. So this is one step to help the person power themselves that actually the end goal should be to believe in themselves, to accept themselves for who they are, which is always a counter thesis from what they're telling us at the outset underlying their depression. What I'm encouraging utilising is a developmental model of young people. We all have basic needs that are the same for all of us. And in development, we have drives that uh, go to satiate those needs. And But when there's problems to fulfil them, then people can get into more generalised problems in their lives. And we know this for sleep as a general marker for mental health problems, but also depression. So depression, uh, so sleep is very important to address as one of the basics. 
I think you mentioned eating as another yes. one of the basics. So eating is also highly fundamental. Many young people today are frequently missing breakfast, going without, uh, most commonly due to uh, a lack of organisation. Sometimes they're trying to lose weight, which in actual fact is the worst thing they could do if they want to maintain a trim weight. But, uh, but coming back to overcoming depression, it's really helping people to take care of themselves. And this basic need it is regular meals. And generally it is starting with a good, healthy breakfast. Many people think that maybe they may be helping themselves by not eating, but the opposite's true given the lack of food overnight. Then we would come on to the other sorts of needs. Social needs are very important for young people. Peer group is so important, and so if that person isn't going to school, not or if there are friendship problems such as bullying, then we need to structure some sort of plan to address those as well. Learning is a basic need for every young person, and so to not be in education in some sort of structured way would also present as one of those basic needs. Um, relationships are vital. We know the family relationships is, of course, the, one of the cores, and there are many problems that can affect the family that also may need addressing. Um, of course, as well as the basic needs, there are all the things that can interfere with all of these. And sometimes if we don't ask, we don't find. So in that I'm referring to grief that may be complicated, undisclosed abuse, blame or shame about events that have past occurred, other traumas or accidents. Exercise is another important area. We all have a daily, a need for daily fulfillment in this. Um, all these areas I am saying are actually important to be able to function mentally for any young person. Neglect of these, even if the person isn't aware of it, may considerably exacerbate mood difficulties. I'll give one example. Some young people think it's okay to neglect how much they eat, but I've found some that invariably their mood stays low with that until they start eating until they're able to eat more, uh, more routinely uh, in, in meals. The basics of it are that simple. Mm -hmm. It's a small list that you can go through that can often show you where the problems are for the young person. So what happens if you go through that list? Yes. They're sleeping eight hours a day, they're eating well, starting with breakfast of egg and toast and, and juice. Um, very physically active. Well, if I'll you finish tick your all the boxes, then then what happens? They invariably have the negative self belief, and it's fun. And if it's any severity, it's associated with the, the, that degree of belief, and that always goes with harm of some sort. Otherwise, we wouldn't be calling it depression. So they have some loss of energy. I mean, that's what they've told us to begin with. So as a GP, we can either use our practice nurses or health improvement coaches to perhaps tease out some of these issues because with a 15-minute appointment yes. with a young person, with their parent and their siblings in the room, it can be difficult. But once we've teased out some of the issues, we've got them eating regularly, we've got them into a sleep pattern, but they still have this severe degree of negative self-belief, where would a GP go next with that? Well, I think a strong degree of negative self-belief could be addressed by therapy to help that person 
You say therapy, what kind of therapy? Well, psychotherapy, so it's psychological work to help them address where their beliefs may be coming from and how to get that to a more uh, appropriate level. Because as I uh, put earlier, depression is associated with exaggerated self-judgment. It's always exaggerated. Um, and in general, it's not hard to help the person to see that. It just requires uh, the correct questioning. I should say that many people with depression don't always come with events, bad events in the background, the adversity that uh, may lead to depression. Sometimes they have an internal history where they're judging themselves for some time. For example, uh, where parents are arguing in the uh, in the family home, the young person may be saying, if only I was prettier, then maybe they would love me, and starting to explain that the problem is their lack of prettiness, as a form of example. As a GP, I've noticed that patients who, if you put their life on paper, it's perfect, but they're depressed, find it even harder in a way than being able to pin it onto the fact that their cat got run over and their mother's died, and then they're depressed. So it's that inter... It's purely that internal self-belief. They're very hard on themselves. Generally, as a question, when I, if I ask them, do you judge yourself? It's a very poignant question. They come out with, yes, there's something wrong with me. And it often shows you directly what the problem is. Because if somewhere in the, along the course of the, this depression, they've concluded there is something wrong as an explanation. And that's what needs to be targeted. Because to overcome those beliefs is to actually believe in oneself and feel better. Do you think there ever comes a time um, when medication would be useful for young people and at what sort of age would be the youngest? Yeah. There is a time, I think, uh, but I do think it should be part of a mental health plan only. Um, so it should be alongside establishing these other routines, healthy routines. And in general, it's in my experience, it's most helpful for alleviating suffering. So where there's a lot of depression, where it's very harsh and associated with a lot of negative thinking, then it may well have a role for some time to support that person to overcome the other areas. Would you think that making that decision that that time has come and starting a young person on an antidepressant is a role that the GP should have, or should that be done in conjunction with specialists, psychiatrists? Um, it can be both. I do see many occasions where I, where I feel the medication has been started without the planning. So in those occasions, I, I wish it would have come to us. Mm -hmm. But equally, I've seen occasions where the GP has got on with both, and that's quite suitable too. So it really, it's, it's really seeing that the medication is still only a supportive measure. It, at best, is a crutch, which helps the rest, and the rest is about helping the person get back into healthy development in terms of their lives. Thank you. And do you have any advice for GPs, the patients that can't afford private counselling, private therapy, how they might be able to access that? Well, in New Zealand, there is a lot of therapy coming online. But what I would say is that uh, the basics to overcoming depression aren't fancy words. It really is about coming... Uh, to a basic understanding of what's necessary for the person to feel that their life is worth living, that it's a life you know, worthy of enjoyment. In general, if a person can create that life, they don't experience depression in the same way. But they do have to overcome the 
the negative beliefs. Thank you. That's really interesting, and I hope it's very helpful for myself and my colleagues. Anything further you'd like to add? Yes, I do encourage other sorts of hobbies, activities that use the hands, and I don't mean on the phones, creative stuff, making stuff. Those are very strong, effective steps to help people build their own self-esteem and life. Um, they're very powerful. And the last tool that I'd also mention is diary writing, writing out thoughts to identify the exaggerations. And then uh, one can do a lot of work oneself by positive thinking, by being realistic and fair, fair to oneself. One of the lessons I often share with families is that actually this young person needs to treat themselves like they do other people, not the reverse one that many young people are taught. I think that last point is something that will stick. Thank you very much. Okay, you're welcome.